Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. Oh, good morning, good morning. It is nearly one minute past the hour of nine o'clock. You're on 3 Triple R. This is Radio Marinara. I'm Anthony Boxall. I'm Dr. Beach. Good morning, Dr. Beach. Good morning, Anthony Boxall. It is lovely to be here with you. Uh, yeah, and in this post radiothon. Calmness. Calmness. <laughs> it's, 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 it it's, is. I, I walked in this morning and, and there's Tim do, doing the shift, um, just post. Um, Eels and then Frank Sinatra. It was a beautiful oh, geez, thing. And then Nina Simone welcoming me in. But then, have you ever seen Play Misty for me? Yeah. But, you know, it's Clint Eastwood alone yeah. in the studio at night. And that was the thing that, yeah. that, that coursed through my brain. And you know... There, there was Tim alone in the studio with Frank Sinatra and, and Nina Simone. And it was, it was just a lovely thing. And there's a lot in that analogy, too, because there's a lot about Tim that says Clint Eastwood to but, me. I mean, Clint's not nearly as sexy as Tim. But I know, I know he's not. But he's powerful. Powerful like Tim, like Tim Clint. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. got a swagger out there now. Yeah, 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 we do yeah. love Clint Thorpe. Eastwood. <laughs> That's right. Tim. <laughs> He's he once again a gorgeous show, a beautiful kind of Father's Day. I thought Frank was just a tiny bit wrong saying, like, you know, there's this girl who's <laughs> twice as smart as she's got any right to be. I thought, oh. <laughs> there's some of that language oh. in that song where you kind of go, wow, that was written in the 50s, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. My mother did love Frank Sinatra, though. We always had it on high rotation in our. I was about to say now, lab in, in our house because you grew up in a lab. I grew, I grew that's up in a your lab. kind that's of right. thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's yeah, like no, that's you've right. been channeling marine science since you're, you know, you're a babe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, happy Father's Day, and to you. We uh, this is the and, Father's and, Day, you know, right. kind of panel. And to all Here those dads out there, all of them. Yeah, and particularly to my dad, who was the most wonderful man, and he's gone strong. At 88. Wow, that's fantastic. I know. He's, he's, he is genuinely a remarkable man. So happy Father's Day, Dad. Love you heaps. Um, now, we have a big show. Well, uh, a huge well, show. A... No, 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 no. Actually, it's, it's a bit of a relaxed show. Yes, after... it is. But it's a big relaxed show. A big relaxed show. How do you do that? But we're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to talk about a... Um... A really fascinating microbe, which is going to... Which <laughs> I love that sentence. Fascinating microbe. You're going to love <laughs> that this. That is a sentence that you talk, don't hear anywhere which but is, Marinara. Which has been dragged out of the, the mud. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, you know, 250 metres below the below the, um, the sea floor. Seriously? Of Japan, yeah. It's been in culture for 2,000 days, and they've finally got enough cells now to <gasps> do something with it. And it's got a few it's people... Freaking ex- it's freaking us out. got a few people excited. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. Okay, cool. And um, we've got our um, annual UK correspondent mm-hmm. in the studio, Dr. Bryce Stewart from the University of York. He's over visiting. Um, he's going to catch us up on the Brexit countdown, death of the end of fisheries. <laughs> like, I'm being a bit dramatic there, but seriously, crikey. Um, he's also going to catch us up on some very interesting developments in marine protected areas in the UK. And he's actually the Molluscan Poet Laureate for the UK. Okay. Yeah, and so he's, gonna, he's got a... He's got a, a a, a Molluscan poem. Right. He's going to bring to us. A mal- can you say a malacological we poem? We could say, a, you could in fact say a malacological poem. Okay. Yeah. Is that a it, sonnet? It, I don't know. It's four lines. So what's four that? Li- right, it's yeah. not a, one of those haiku. <laughs> no, no. It's it's the it's like a Is Scottish... that what you call a, a, a quadrant? I don't, I don't know. No, no, we'll have no, to no. ask him. He's being a being the malacological... Malacological poet. Thank you. Being a malacological poet laureate for Scotland. 
and Northern England. How, he, he will know. How lucky are we to have people like that They're coming into yeah. our studio yeah. here yeah. in East Brunswick? It's just on a Sunday morning. Speaking of, mm. in the kind of post radiothon, you know, glow that we are in, mm. it is still. It's, it's a bit of an oxy- oxytocin glow, actually. I think <laughs> it probably is actually. Um, it is still possible, and not only possible, but also encouraged if you wish to subscribe. And you can still actually get the prizes, not the dailies. That's right. The what, other what's biggies. It, is it September twenty-five. I think it is. Where is it? We're yeah. looking around the studio. So Radio Five yeah, is still technically 25. going. We're not going to bang on about it too no, much. We're, we're not going to hassle you. Get you to no, get no, on the phone no, now. But, but don't ring do. actually because we haven't got the. Don't ring, but, but get on the get on the web. Get on yeah, the interweb. Yeah. Um, subscribe, and if you've pledged, um, you have time to pay up to still be in the running for those wonderful Radiothon prizes. And yeah. I believe that that date is September 25th. It is, it is, it is 5 pm. You've got to pay up before 5 pm, September, Wednesday, September 25th. If you do, everything but the daily prizes, you know, so the pet prizes, the business prizes, the band prizes, the visual arts prizes, the DJ prizes, the out of sight prizes, the, all that stuff, it's all the grand prizes, all open to you. Okay. So, yeah, anyway, so you can do that online. R, 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 I often wonder about it, though, like how many people ring up and then actually don't pay on the spot. Yeah, true. Wait, these days. Because, I mean, of you have to pay Checks out. in the mail, that kind of thing. You have I wonder to pay how many of those. To get, the, to get the prizes, too. That's the other thing. So, you know, come front, front up with the cash. Yeah. Hey, now, weather. Weather. Weather, weather, weather. Uh, cloudy, high chance of showers, most likely in late in the morning. Winds north northeast, fifteen to twenty-five k, tending north northwest, twenty-five to thirty-five k during the morning and early afternoon. Then decreasing, fifteen to twenty k in the evening. That, oh. that was pretty detailed. Did you want all that detail? I, no, well, it was good to know. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it maybe, makes me realise that maybe what I was planning on doing today is not going to be possible. It, it could be a bit sprinkly <laughs> later on in the afternoon. Uh, it's going to be a top of seventeen degrees. Tomorrow's getting warm, oh. Anth. Nineteen. Oh, look no. at Tuesday, twenty. Oh, come on. Yep, shower two tomorrow, mainly oh. later. Uh, Tuesday, sunny. Sunny and 20. Rubbish. No, I really? kid you not. Oh, actually, down the bottom it says amount of rain, 0 to 1.5. I, I don't oh. know. So how does sunny coincide with a little bit of rain? Somehow. Uh, Wednesday, 19 degrees. Um, what? It's a warm week. It's a warm week. Oh, wait, hang Ooh. on. Then we're, next oh. Saturday, we're back down to 14, <laughs> pre- preceded by 15 on Friday. So we're not out of it. But it, today looks like it's not... I mean, it, well, it's going to blow something out, though. Oh, yeah, it's a little bit cloudy. It wasn't the spectacular day it was yesterday. No, it wasn't that stunning. It was just a beautiful day. Um, um, tides, if you're heading out on the water, you'll be wanting to know that at Point Lonsdale, which, of course, represents the heads of our fair Port Phillip, um, it was low tide at 20 past six this morning, and it's going to be high tide at 20 past one this afternoon. That is at Point Lonsdale. So that means at the, about the moment you're just heading into slack. In you, about another half an hour-ish. That's right. So if you want to go diving off Queenscliff and you don't want to be dragged into the bay or out of the bay through the heads, do it then. Yeah, if you want to kind of either not end up in Brighton or Tassie, mm-hmm. now's the, you know, soonish is the time. Do check the tide tables because we don't take any responsibility for our random tide calculations. That's right. I had a job about 35 years ago diving off Queenscliff and we yeah. had to always dive on slack. Otherwise, we'd get our asses dragged out of the heads yeah. or back into town. You'd be sitting was... under a big ship in the middle of the thing going, gee, how we end up here? It was fun, but sometimes a little bit <laughs> scary, I can tell you. Hey, it's the first of the month. Too. I just really pinching a punch. Yeah, thanks to oh. all out there. We have got Thursday, lots. spring, Father's Day. We've got lots coming up. There's lots of news. We're going to play a um, just. We're going to do the mellow thing because it's post radiothon. 
what was it? Oxytocin. Yeah, thing? It, it's the post radiothon oxytocin oxytocin surge that we all get. I am and, so... and, 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 and we had that oxytocin surge because we are so happy and, and pleased and, and just flat out grateful for lovely listeners out there who, who rang in uh, rang in over the last couple of weeks, subscribed, expressed their love. We we just love you in spades back and. There's a whole station. I, I, I don't want to talk about it anymore because there's no, been a no, lot of words around Triple R and, and all, all things community radio and beauty here in East Brunswick and the whole of Melbourne, the whole of the universe, Hath. <laughs> it's Father's Day has done it to you. It has. Of course, you can still subscribe till... Um, we can subscribe anytime to Triple R, but till Wednesday, 5pm on September the 25th. And you can be in the running for those prizes and we'll play another one later too. You're on Radio Marinara on 3 Triple R. Before that little announcement was the Hollow Coves. Um, gorgeous, kind of young, clean-cut lads from Gold Coast. I, I, I can picture them, man. Yeah, though seriously, a little kind of 80s moustaches, you know, just, you know, that they've only just been able to grow, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're on Marinara. We're going we're to talk about a few different bits of news and bits and bobs that uh, Dr. Beach and I have gathered. The one that I wanted to raise first was just very quickly was the um, unfortunate news during the week that the International Plastics Conference that was um, ready to go and, and I thought chugging along quite well for um, September in Melbourne has been cancelled. I saw that email. Yeah. So I know Farm was involved and a few others involved. And I think it was... Um, Have you got any insights? Oh, I just think that um, I, I don't really know. what. There's a public statement that the there was a stakeholder assessment of yes. the, you know kind of likelihood of of success and then obviously in discussions with those stakeholders they decided to not go ahead and it's a bit of a shame because i think there were some remarkable international speakers my understanding it was a tracking kind of as you know you know what conferences are like you're always a bit under <coughs> when you get to the early yep. bird date and then yep. all of a sudden bam everyone joins up but you know you never know and you know there you go. So that's a bit unfortunate, but I. Well, I maybe, would, maybe they're going to do it online. Maybe maybe it'll be, a, be a, a virtual yeah, conference to save all that um, carbon. The unconference or the webinar. Or the webinar. Good point. Hey, can I just thank Justin from Romsey in New South Wales, who just subscribed to Zero G, because um, you, you can renew anytime or subscribe anytime online. Mm. Um, he just said thanks to my three beautiful kids for the best Father's Day present, my yearly Triple R subscription. Oh, you're looking at the computer screen. Isn't that gorgeous? Come up. Oh, so lovely. thank you, Justin. From, Justin from Romsey. And you, Rom, yeah. Is that, is that a bingo for anyone? Um, <laughs> could be. Could be. So, yeah. So anyway, so there we go. Um, I had... I, you had can I, can I tell you about my day? I yesterday? would love to hear about I, your day yesterday. Beautiful sunny day here in Melbourne. Awesome. Many, many of you out there will, will realise, will remember. Um, so the Venice correspondent and I decided to get on our bikes. <laughs> Discuss, yes. Go down to, um, down to Fair St Kilda. And my goodness, it was so beautiful. But just the sunshine, you know, you get to the get you're to riding Albert down Park, the Yarra. Albert Park. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, getting it. This is the, the the kicker. Yeah, get on the bike, um, just past the MCG, jump on the um, on the Yarra, just uh, on the bike path, the Yarra bike path, just yeah. right. So we're right outside um, Botanic Gardens there, near the Swan Street Bridge. Yeah, also right the middle of town. Like you go, know, there's like go, a tennis well, centre there, even a little bit upstream. Yeah, yeah, from town. Yeah, yeah guts of town. My music bowls right over there, and then we hear this. Psh, and you think, oh, I've blown my tyre. What's that? Oh, look, look at, and the, there's a seal. No. In the river. No. In the Yarra River, flapping its... Up at like... Up, up, up at the Botanic Gardens, level with the Botanic oh Gardens. Oh, my goodness, it was that no that far way. upstream. It's like near South Yarra. Having a fine time. 
And it was diving down, getting stuff, coming back up. And by the time we left, there was you know, half a dozen people that said, it's a seal, it's a seal. It was so beautiful. It was really lovely. That's remarkable. And so you can imagine how much they just got, oh, Melbourne, I love you. This is my town. <laughs> <laughs> and they continued on our fairways, on the bikes, you know, down to St Kilda, down know. the beach. Oh, how, how common is that? I want. To, I mean, you reckon I'd know being on a show like Radio Marinara, but you how know, common like, is it for seals to get that far upstream? I don't know that I've heard of a seal like near South Yarra. Like I've heard of them near, you know, down kind of Princess Bridge, Queen's Bridge, that yes, kind of stuff. Docks. Yeah, but I don't. Like, I mean, if there's a listener who, you know, ring in, let us know or put something on our Facebook or yeah, whatever. It was just past the Swan Street Bridge. In fact, it was hanging out under the Swan Street Bridge, really. Wow, it's probably after a good fur. You know, like seals and fur. They love fur. They, they love do, they do, they do love fur. Fur, yeah. fur, fur, yeah. <laughs> Hey, and was it fishing? Looked to be. D- didn't, cool. didn't, see a, didn't see a fish in the mouth. There's somebody on the Oh, mouth. yeah. Well, yeah. Kent, wake up. Someone the, um, the Kent, Kent might answer that. Kent, Kent's online. He's checking his port. <laughs> so his I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if he was having a fur or whatever, but it, it was... Um, it was so lovely. And so then we went down to St Kilda, had, had a couple ah. of frosties at the Espy. And then, as you do, <laughs> as wow, you do. it was going off there. Oh, you renovated it Esplanade. It was like, it was like Instagram influencer. <laughs> Mega. God. Like Which BC. is, of course, why Dr Beach was there. Uh, oh, yeah. You were there with your microbe fe- T-shirt. We felt lost. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the way back on the bikes, we think, I wonder if the seal still... I was half expecting the seal to be up on the bank at one of the barbecues, <laughs> you know, having a beer. And, Putting and a shrimp on the barbie. A shrimp on the barbie. And then back. I better go back to the wife and kids now. Hey, so where that was uh, the day before, I was just near there at um, Government House. Oh, oh yes. indeed. <clears throat> yes, I did. Yes, it was. Um, <laughs> for the Land Care Awards. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, you know, not the most coastal thing, but there is a Coast Care category in the Land Care Awards. And in fact, there are a couple of other awards that were. That are for groups who do things that are extraordinarily coastal as well. So I'm going to kind of highlight. There was a and, and congratulations to the remarkable work that goes on in Landcare. It is remarkable, um, and so I just want to highlight a couple. The Coast Care Award, which is sponsored by a large aeroplane company, <laughs> um, that um, it um, the Victorian Wader Study Group won that. And so, which is just remarkable, over two decades, the Wader Study Group has, has, has done an extensive program of field work. Oh, wa- wa- Wader. 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 As in I Waders. Thought, like, I thought, I thought, first I thought you said Wainer, and then I was thinking <laughs> Waiter. Yeah. I, I think yeah, I the Victorian a, a Baristas or yeah. something to do with Bertram Wainer. <laughs> but Waders. Yeah. Like, and, okay, yeah. that's like long, long legs. <laughs> so it's 20. Intertidal inter- birds. Yeah, intertidal birds. Not 20 years worth of making coffee. Right. For involuntary ways in the coast. No, mm-hmm. so Waders. Waders. Ones that fly like from here to Korea and Siberia and Russia. Anyway, massive program. Well, that's why the airline company sponsored it. Oh, good point. I didn't think. No, 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 no. Because they didn't have anything to do with the judging. They just sponsored it because it's cool. I'm just yanking a chain. Um, and it's carbon neutral. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, they conduct an extensive program of field work, like mo- migrant and resident waders through you know cannon netting, and then they banned them. And some of the stuff, like they've been instrumental basically in building the database that many of the natural resource managing agencies like the Catchment Management Authorities or Parks Victoria or yep. DELP that they use through this incredible voluntary effort. Um, and they were one of the ones that first started to pick up the signal of decline in some of those South Korean pop- the populations of migrant birds that were coming from South Korea due to habitat loss. They're using um, biometrics and all kinds of really cool stuff. So there you go. So they, they won. 
Congratulations. I know we are marinara here, but anything else of, of oh, picture gonna, interest oh, yeah, at the no, Landcare totally. Awards? Well, there was a whole bunch of incredibly cool Landcare stuff at the Best Care, the Best Coast Landcare Network, mm-hmm. who, uh, because that uh, their farm land hinterland is so integrated to the coastal well, area, right, there, yeah. they're doing a um, they're doing a remarkable amount of work. There's it's a it's a network of ten affiliated landcare groups in South Gippie. And so the you know the catchment to coast link is so short there you know so you're literally everything yep. you do on your farm is affecting the coastline, and they're remarkable. They've planted more than two million indigenous trees in that area. Um, uh, hectares and hectares of remnant vegetable protected um, weed control on private land and roadside. Uh, they do agricultural sustainable agricultural field days, farmer support groups for mm-hmm. bi-monthly meeting because you know they've been just coming out of that green well and maybe not coming out of that green drought as yep. well. So remarkable. So good on the Basket Landcare Network. And the last one that caught my my eye, well, they all caught my eye, but the last one I want to draw attention to, he says... As, as, as he, he flicks through the leaflet. Flicks through the leaflet and lost the one that he wants to draw. Uh, Could you feel about, for a well, Yeah, yeah, well, I'll, yeah. Just talk, I'll just yeah. talk to myself for a bit while, while you're flicking through that, that thing which says Landcare on the front <laughs> and it's green. Oh, I can't find it. It was the young... Oh, here it is. The um, uh, some insurer um, young land care leadership award very cool Gippsland Intrepid Land Care um, three hundred volunteers most of them had very little um, involvement in in any kind of group like this before so this is all young okay they planted tens of thousands of trees they removed thirty three thirty four kilograms of marine debris off of off one of the islands in 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 Philip in on off a Phillip Island beach, they remove sea spurge and um, bee vine from Sandy Point Dune system. They do. They have a plant and dance event, including tree planting, camping, and music, and environmental um, film nights. So amazing stuff. So congratulations. Okay, a camp and dance event. Yeah. All right. Sounds like a bit of a doof. Maybe. So congratulations. Congratulations to all those. Remarkable volunteer effort. Government House. At Government House, beautiful. They put on a great show. Nice sandwiches. sandwiches. Oh, gorgeous sandwiches. And great cakes. A little. I can imagine the cakes. And I've got to say, the thing that I was so impressed about, there were 15 or 16 awards and everybody got a great sense of what the award was about, got time to be in the glory of, you know, receiving the award, applause, all that, all the right stuff. And it was done in like 25 minutes. Why? Like it's just like it's military precision. It was remarkable, really excellent. So congratulations to Landcare, Coast Care and, of course, Government House. That was and just they, they, good honour. the staff at Government House for putting it on. Oh, just remarkable. And and who's, our, who's our state governor at the moment? Linda DeSalle. Oh, Linda DeSalle. She's great. She's really opened up the place too because then there was like a tour afterwards and people could kind of... She's kind of the people's governor. Did you have a look around the go upstairs? I did. I had a, well, you don't go upstairs. Oh, right. You didn't sort of open doors. No, you don't. Like just, just don't wander around. I would have. It's like a palace. You know, you've got to, like, you know, be careful. <laughs> Make the most of every opportunity. You'd see the pool room, though. Damn. Oh, oh nice pool room. <laughs> uh, you're on Radio Marinara. I'm Fritch Pilar. It is 32 minutes past the hour of 9 o'clock. We had a few calls. Phones are going hot with yep, the seal. Crazy. We're, gonna got, write a, we're, gonna, we're getting so much data together here. We're yeah. going to write a paper. So here's one for you. Yep. Uh, I, the, uh, I don't have the name actually. Works off Chapel Street, mm-hmm. um, and um, has once a month seen a seal up near Chapel Street. So it's a regular. Maybe yeah. it's yep. maybe it's. Oh, two whales are off Mornington. Two whales We've off just Mornington. Just had a report. There's there. two whales off Mornington. People, it's all coming in. I'm going to Mornington after this. It's crazy. 
Oh, you are too? Yeah, yes. I'm heading off to Fossil Beach. Um, and also, uh, yeah, so there you go. So so we've got, we got someone who sees seals almost monthly recently off Chapel Street and... Well, a seal. A seal. So, so it might seal. be the seal. Could be. I saw yesterday and... Interestingly, saw... someone has seen the, a seal about three feet long off Dites Falls in uh-huh. Collingwood. So we're gonna. We want to see. Can anyone raise us? Can anyone give us cue? We want to see if a seal has got over Dites Falls, which is actually the extent of the salt wedge, because the estuary gets as far up as uh, you know the estuary bit of the Yarra gets as far up as Dites Falls, yep. and it's only freshwater above. So I'd be very surprised if a seal has gone beyond Dites Falls. For starters, they've got to climb Dites Falls. <laughs> well, that's there you go. Hey, and but, but, also. I mean, they, they, Listen to a question from Jack in Sorrento. He's been looking at the tides and he realises they change twice a day. There's two highs and two lows. Indeed, Jack. And in fact, Jack, that is actually very true in this part of the world and in most parts of the world in Australia, actually, it is that. And it's called semi-diurnal tides. Yep. Diurnal means it only changes once a day. And it's to do with, and here we are, and we apologise to all of our physics friends, it's to do with the moon and gravity and stuff. It's a gravitational wobble. <laughs> yeah, it is. So you get the moon drives the tides. When the moon is closest, you get the higher part of the tide. T- and then it kind of turns a little bit as the Earth turns. And we're going to get this wrong. And you get a little bit of a gravitational pull, but a bit less. So the second maxima, the second high tide, is lower than the first. Well done, Anthony. And then the lows are similarly at a kilter. So there's yep. kind of like a low, low, and then a little, little medium low. Yeah. And that's called semi-diurnal. And there are diurnal tides. So let's think of a place in Australia where you get diurnal. Broom. You get, you get one higher day and one lower day. And, of course, up there they make them real. They're seven metres, the difference between the two of them. Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, they're they're like enormous. Seven metre difference. We've got about a metre and a half. Here, it is a less. fascinating thing, the tides. Tell me another, about microbes. Another fascinating thing. Um, this is a it, it, curious thing. So what, I, what I'm reading from here is an article in Science, so yes. prestigious journal prestigious. Science. But the paper that this article is based on hasn't been through peer review yet, hasn't been published, oh. and normally one doesn't talk about such no, things. No, not in peer but, not in But science. science has got themselves so excited about this <laughs> that they are talking about okay. it, even though they've interviewed the Japanese scientists who did this work and said, no, we don't want to talk about it yet, it's still under peer review. But they've got other people sending in messages and saying, oh, you've got to talk about this. Because what one can oh, do now, it? in the normal stage of publishing, like yeah. you, you send stuff off to be published, but a preprint is before it's published, and you can. There are sites now where you can put your preprints up, okay, so everyone can look at it. You okay. know, open access science; it's really yep. good stuff. To the story, um, I want to take you back, Anthony. <laughs> okay, look, I'm going. I'm back. taking back about two yeah. billion years. Oh wow! Okay, so I, d- I can't domains talk. Of, so you know, you know, you've got bacteria, yeah, germs, germs, uh, and then you've got higher organisms. Well, well, like, like, well I, like, I, I, I hesitate to call them higher, but like plant called, cells. Yeah, plant cells. So <laughs> things called Elf. eukaryotes and yep. prokaryotes. We okay. are eukaryotes as are plants, all animals. Um, like multicellular things. Well, not all multicellular, oh. but they've got so nucleus where the DNA is. Right. There's a membrane around it, okay. and there's lots of other organelles in there, like yeah. mitochondria. That's a eukaryote. Yeah, Bacteria yeah. don't have a membrane around the nucleus, <sighs> and they don't have mitochondria. They're like a totally different Relatively kind of thing. simple. But there's actually two kind of sorts of bacteria in inverted commas. Okay. There's the true bacteria and there's another group called the archaea, okay. which are really, really old. So um, they're like so you've got ancient, ancient ancient, okay. ancient prokaryotes. Okay. We believe that that's where life first started. And that's the, the ones that came on the meteors. <laughs> Possibly. Oh, okay. Anyway. No, that's not so, so funny. Oh, sorry, I was that, that, joking. No. Clearly that may not be a joke. No. Can, okay. Could have happened. Wow. Um, so you've got three domains of life. You've got the archaea, you've got the bacteria, and the eukaryotes. People don't okay. really understand where the eukaryotes came from. We know it came from the prokaryotes, but whether okay. it was from one archaean, 
engulfing another bacterium oh. is a big is, is what right. many people believe. That's how we got gave the got the mitochondria, which we all have in our cells. And this is like the mitochondria energy. is the thing that makes energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This happened about two billion years ago. Okay. And when you look at okay. gene sequencing, we can tell that eukaryotes are most clo- more closely related to archaea than they are to bacteria. Okay. But how did this happen? Um, been lots of theories around it, and there's a group of archaea which are called the um, well, you know, you don't need to know their name, the special name, but there's people have been looking for these guys, and they've found them in mud at the bottom of the ocean, um, wow. about two and a half k below the surface of the water, out of the mud, like a yeah. core. There's Japanese guys drilled down there, got an example of some of these archaea, kept them in culture for what do you think is a reasonable amount of time to keep something in oh, culture? A couple of weeks, a couple of weeks, two thousand days. <laughs> And after two, so they had a whole lot of different test tubes with these yeah, cultures yeah, yeah. You know, of the mud, and, that, and, that, and, they were, and they were pouring methane through them. So That's these, like these six, ancient archaea, five years, yeah. yeah. So these ancient archaea, uh, some of them are what we call methanogens. So they oh, really like they really like methane. Oh, so they eat methane. They eat methane. Yeah. Wow. So they were feeding some of the tubes, the culture tubes, with methane and other stuff, and then eventually they got a couple of cells which they sequenced, and they thought, oh. Ace, these look like these very ancient archaea that right. we think gave rise to, to you everything, and me and everything to life. else. To, to, yeah. Well, to the rest well, of life besides yeah. the, the bacteria, the germs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, so they've cultured them and they've looked at their DNA and yeah. they've found that, well, they're pretty close related to eukaryotes. I'll get back to this in a second. Yeah. But one thing, one really interesting thing they've got, they've found under the electron microscope, and I want to see these pictures because okay. electron microscope, you've got to do all kinds of weird stuff to a cell to get it under the electron okay. microscope so you can get artifacts yeah. but they reckon they've got tentacles and stuff around the outside uh-huh. which has made them or postulate that this is how they engulfed the ancient bacteria which <gasps> gave rise to a mitochondria which now gave us, gave to us. Yeah. and that this when this happened this event so in all of these theories the really the thing that blows me away about all of this is that this was one single event like one cell engulfing another cell which gave rise to everything else this is like that Adam and Eve cell yes that <laughs> yeah, Adam and yeah. Eve cell I have a tiny bit of scepticism about this article because so the, only people are getting, found... the only people that are getting excited about this and they're interviewing in yeah. science are the ones whose theories are being supported by this discovery. <laughs> oh, okay, right. But can I just get this straight? That is like the, the – so what they think they've found is evidence of the Adam and Eve cell. Like that's the right. thing that is, as, as some people are saying, you know, on, on the Twitter sphere, people are saying it's paper of the year and the moon landing for microbial ecology. <laughs> All these microbial and by the way, and they're calling they're calling this bug the micro Prometheo Archaeum, um, after Prometheus, who was the, um, <laughs> the, the as you know, he, yeah, he was the, the, great, of... the great Titan uh, who created humans out of bud. Yes, so I think a very nice. Name. So the wonderful thing about all of this is everything leads back to Marvel Comics. Anyway, um, it does. <laughs> no, no, another qu- another one that piqued my interest. This is you know entitled... there's going to be a movie about this soon, don't you? So there's going to be this freaking microbe that comes and takes over whatever that with, with, tent- anyway, with tentacles. Yeah. And it's really Post tiny. It's just a couple of microns in size, and a micron you'll remember, Anthony, is ten to the minus six yeah. meters. Um, <laughs> Uh, Salmon-smeared notebooks reveal fisheries... Hang on, we're just jumping to a new thing, aren't we? A completely new topic. We're (laughs) off microbes now. We're talking salmon in in British Columbia. So these are eukaryotes. Uh, These are eukaryotes. These are definitely eukaryotes. Multi-celled. Yeah. So 100 years ago... June 1919, workers okay. in a busy Canadian cannery in Port Essington, uh, which is on the Skeena River in yeah. northern British Columbia, okay. um, collecting heaps of salmon, you know, lots yeah. of salmon around 100 years ago, big yeah. red flesh, fleshed ones that'd be yeah. coming in. And every now and then there was a fisheries inspector there whose name was Robert Gibson, who would take one of the salmon, measure it, okay. um, weigh it, do all of that kind of stuff, and then 
take a whole lot of scales off it and then smear it onto his notebook next to measurements of this particular oh, fish. Okay. These notebooks have now been rediscovered from an archive and because the salmon scales are there, oh they can do analyses <gasps> on these fish that they've got recordings of oh where goodness. they were taken from and all of that. And there's a picture, you can't quite see it in this photocopy here, but yeah, they've got and a he- beautiful little notebook with all these salmon scales on there with the salmon slime. Just kind of hit with his thumb, just kind of went. (laughs) (laughs) And they did this for 20 years. So there's 20 (gasps) years records of this. And so some very lucky PhD student at Simon Fraser University, um, who rejoices in the name of Michael Price, um, has been given this as a project. Gold mine, and he's only just getting into it now and is being able to. And one of the very sad facts, of course, is that evidence from this is that. So salmon have, when they go upstream to have up. Babies, yeah. you know, there are particular ponds where they like stick to, so they can have yeah, genetic yeah. distinct populations yep, yep. of salmon. So you can using the DNA analysis on the scales, and, come from. yeah, you can see where yeah, they've yeah. come from. Anyway, it turns out like you know, seventy five percent of the population is gone in the last hundred years. <laughs> so the course. genetic diversity of the population, yeah, at least in oh, that area. Wow. But, but it was quite um, interesting. They were saying like in further north, in, further north in Alaska, yeah. salmon's going off. So it's the ones in the south, so again, climate change. So ah, like, yeah, yeah, of course. Latitudinal effect. Like but, but, we're having um, southward movements of um, species, they're having northward movements of species. That's right. Yeah. Tropical fish we're finding yeah. in the south, and but, you know, losing kelps from the south and all of that. Um, what a remarkable kind of, kind of almost like, I bet the guy wasn't thinking, hey, I'm going to smear my slam, salmon slime, and 100 years later, they're going to be able to to talk about the distinct genetic populations and the way that these things are moving. I mean, it just kind of went, oh, I'll just do this because later on, you know, maybe... I don't know. What was That's right. Well, 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 no, well, he did it because um, because later on they could calculate the fish's age by looking yeah, at the scales. Right. So yeah. you take a scale, you know, he yeah. takes the book back to the lab, yeah, some yeah. technician whacks a scale under the microscope, you can tell how old that fish is. So they were using it for They a were reason. using it at right. the time, yeah. But, yeah, this yeah. knock-on effect. And there's all sorts of things you can imagine now so they can get in and, you know, how cool. Almost sequence how the cool. entire genome of that fish that the scale came from and tell what's you know how it's going. Oh my goodness, All that me! Stuff. I'm very on cool. Too much. No, it's very very cool. I just wonder if that notebook smelled. I, I'm <laughs> sure that there's no mention of that <laughs> the in this. Smell. In this, by the <laughs> way, you can read both of these articles um, in, in Science. Um, the salmon one is from the 23rd of August edition, and the um, tentacled microbe is from the 16th of August. So, you know, one of the backup papers when we had Radiothon when we went. Love it. Hey, talk too much about uh, Rory B. Beforth from Manifold Heights, um, renewed to respect the rock. Thank you. Has and he seen any seals? Marcus, no, he didn't mention it, but Marcus Zima from Richmond is a new web subscriber to Eat It. Now, he may have seen some seals because right. he's in Richmond. And it is a wonderful pleasure to welcome back into the studio our annual UK correspondent, Dr. Bryce Stewart from the University of York. Hey, Bryce, good morning. Thank you very much for bringing me in once again. Yeah. We, we back. Fl- fly you in at <laughs> yeah. business class every year. At enormous for expense. More, enormous <laughs> expense. <laughs> You're too kind. Uh, for those who don't know, Bryce, Bryce uh, is uh, a senior lecturer from the University of York and is a bit of a fisheries Twitter star. I, I, you know, like, I can't, you know, there's no other way to say it. If you're on Twitter and you're into fisheries things, it's a, it's a Twitter influence, you know, Bryce. Can we say that? Yeah, yeah, in the fisheries world, absolutely. Uh, right, yeah, <laughs> I'll take that. He looks pretty good in a bikini too, I can tell you, <laughs> sitting here in the morning. Not that kind of influencer. Oh, No, right, no, okay. you got that wrong. Right. Hey, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to catch up on a whole bunch of stuff that's going on in, in the UK at the moment, but... Um, we're going to do three things. And, of course, you as the malacological poet, Scottish poet laureate... Oh, gosh, no will, pressure. <laughs> ...will be re- reciting the famous scallop poem. 
Right, yes. Right towards the end. So, so wait for that, listeners, just towards the end. We'll wrap up with the Scallop Pond. But let's start with um, marine protected areas because yep. there's some reviews happening in the UK around MPAs. But in, in understanding that, uh, I was really surprised to learn the rules about MPAs in the UK. What, what's a kind of standard marine protected area allow to happen in it? Yeah, so actually about 10 years ago, the UK had almost no marine protected areas at all. Oh, okay. And then there was a thing called the Marine Act that came through government and, you know, produced this legislation. So now we have loads. We have over 300. And I think it covers something like over... 25% 25% of the coastal waters. Oh, that's remarkable. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> Most of them do almost nothing. Well, but, but so, like, so, what so, do so, they so, do? So, like, what's the rules? So, I mean, the rules haven't been written yet or certainly yeah they haven't been made they haven't been enforced so most of them don't have a management plan right and in fact you know i guess people in australia if they think about marine protected areas generally think about highly protected marine areas yeah the green zone yeah exactly you know know, no take no fishing no mining etc okay so in the uk we have four of those okay out of uh, the 300. Yes, okay. and the total area of those four is 20 kilometres squared. Oh. That's so not very generous, is that's, it? That's, you know, the size <laughs> of a... small country, but even that. Uh, no, I mean, it's it's like 0.001% or something of the of the coastal waters. So what can you do in the other 99 point well, whatever Well, I mean, percent? certainly you can, you can fish in all the other areas. Oh. Um, but in some of them there are certain restrictions on fishing, so maybe in, in a limited number... You're not allowed to, for example, scallop dredge. <laughs> Sorry. But that means Sorry. that there's a lot where you can scallop dredge and trawl and do all that stuff. So, you, I mean, look. So, I mean, I think one of the things that, you know, I, you know, regardless of the, the kind of um, view, views on scallop fishing, in a sense, that but scallop dredging is one of the practices that is known to be extraordinarily destructive to the seafloor just by the way it works. So yeah, that doesn't it, sound it, like a very protective activity. No, I mean, it, it can be, you know... You Look, can do scallop fishing yeah. without that impact. Well, you know, scallop dredging is is unfortunately in the UK. It's it's the best way to catch them because ah, the water's often too deep for diving. Right. Uh, the densities are not high enough, etc. But yes, in in a lot of habitats, certainly in the more sensitive habitats, scallop dredging can be very destructive, and you yeah. don't want to put it in those places. So it really should be out, you know, in in more resilient areas yeah. that are subject to sort of natural disturbance and things like that. Um, but yeah, unfortunately that's not the case. So, you know, I mean, the thing that annoys me is look, just don't even call it a marine protected area because it's not protected Yeah. Yeah. or at least wait until you've put some protection in place. So what would be the protection in a place like that? What are you not allowed to do? Yeah. Um, pass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you wouldn't, you couldn't mine. Maybe it's not mine. I mean, I guess not. Not allowed to let off nuclear devices. But... (laughs) Yeah, maybe not. I mean, yeah. Uh, but that's sort of different legislation. Yeah, yeah. Well. So, you know, you have to get licenses yeah. for that sort of extractive so stuff. So what's the so the review? Is that of the whole system? Yeah. Or? So basically people like me. So I'm lucky enough to work on two of the four highly oh, protected wow. marine areas, which okay. are no-take zones. So yeah. more like your green zones here. Yeah. Um, and one in particular in Scotland uh, called Lamlash Bay in the Isle of Arran. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, people like me have been banging on saying, look, you really need a few more of these highly protected areas because how do you know what your baseline is in the rest of the system? Yeah. It's difficult because these few that exist are so small, but at least they tell us something about how recovery can occur and yeah. like a bit more about what the natural system should look like. So finally, this uh, year, the government, Michael Gove, in fact, when he was environment minister, um, announced this review into highly protected marine areas. So this is going on right now. As in to create more of them or well, to get rid of the few that are there? <laughs> hopefully not to get... No, I think... <laughs> let's try and be optimistic. Okay. No, I think they want to look to see if there's a case for me for having more of them. How Bryce, can I, the, the, the place that you're... In Scotland, yep. Isle of Arran, was it, near there? Yeah, yeah, that's it. D- describe this marine protected area compared to the areas, say, 10k down the coast. Can you, is it a dramatic difference that you can see? Uh, actually, on this, yeah, absolutely. Like, so we've just finished, or my students um, have just finished doing surveys this summer. Uh, that's like last month in the UK. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, we've seen on the seafloor dramatic increases in biodiversity, the main commercial species, particularly the scallops and the lobsters. Much, much more abundant, um, much bigger. I think that's really important. Much yep. more reproductively active. Um, so all the kind of metrics that you all, imagine. All the yeah. stuff that you would expect. <laughs> Once you stop digging them up with a big tractor. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's say, yeah. Let's let's try and be a little bit more balanced. <laughs> okay, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but it's interesting. Like, I guess what we've been lucky enough to do is to study the whole community and. There are winners and losers in this sort of thing. So, for example, the lobsters have done really well. So our lobsters over there are big, scary things with huge claws. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, they seem to outcompete the sort of edible crabs. So uh-huh. edible crabs, which are also important commercial species, their numbers have gone right down in the in the highly protected area because the lobsters... Yeah, they're big cha- and gnarly. They get big and gnarly and they chase <laughs> them out. Yeah, right. Huh. Um, so, but of course, without those places where there's no other interference, you wouldn't ever you pick wouldn't up know these signals. That. So, yeah. and you know, when people say to me, "Oh, they, you know, like, oh yeah, they might be good for lobsters, but they're rubbish for crabs," it's like, well, yeah, but this is natural. Yeah. This is how it yeah. should be. Yeah. So hey, we're yeah. going to jump to Brexit because sure. you know, at the moment, we're careering towards a no deal Brexit, mm. and we've had you on over the recent years talking about what that means for the fishing industry. Yep. And um, what, just talk us quickly through because next month there's a chance that the EU, uh, the Britain, stops and has no formal, you know, kind of rules or anything. So what does it mean for fisheries? Like practically, what does it mean for fisheries? Yeah, I mean, the honest answer is no one really knows, but uh, pro- it's quite worrying, to be honest. And the biggest worry for fisheries is the effects on trade. So okay. if there's no deal, the UK goes back to World Trade Organization rules. Okay. So these are the sort of background rules that, you know, if you were a country that that didn't have any trade agreements with Somebody anyone. Like Madagascar yeah, or something. Or, you you know, know, you Kazakhstan be... or well, yeah. I, I, apologies if Kazakhstan yeah. does have a deal with the UK, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it falls back to those rules, which mean there's lots of restrictions on what can be sort of exported and imported across the, the border between the UK but and the, the EU. it's the same shellfish. But what, like, what are they looking at? What is the restriction? So uh, sort of hygiene, provenance, oh. um, all these veterinary checks... And then the other thing that's a worry is the, is the tariffs as well. So we're looking at um, 
probably something between 10 and 25% tariff on seafood that's exported to Europe from the UK. The reason that's a big issue is about two-thirds of what is caught in the UK is exported to oh Europe. Oh, my goodness. And a lot of it is exported, obviously being seafood, it's fresh, or in the case of shellfish, like um, particularly crabs and prawns and stuff, it's alive. Yeah, yeah. And so even if you're sort of delayed by a few hours, yeah. you miss the night ferry, you therefore miss... Oh, so you catch something in Scotland in the morning, yeah, so you, you drive down to Calais. Exactly. You ideally, as things stand now, yeah. takes you about a day to drive there. You get on the ferry at night. You're there for the wholesale seafood market in the morning. In France. In France. Yeah. And then you sell it and it goes off across Europe from there. And it could be in a restaurant in Paris by midday. That lunchtime. Yeah, yeah. okay. And so that's or, only or a day. Budapest the next day. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you miss that morning market... Because you've had to do all this other paperwork. Yeah, it's oh, 24 goodness. hours... Late, oh it's going to be a whole nother day. Now, if you've got live prawns, well, they're not going to be live by the next day. Well, they may That's I never really realised that that kind of... That well, all kind of that crashed the industry. Yeah, but it's kind of nightmare Certainly scenario. for those guys. So the, the interesting thing is, the one the, the fishermen or the industry, part of the industry that's supposed to be most affected are the shell fishermen. Yeah. And they are the ones, really, who are the small operators working on the coasts, providing the most jobs for coastal communities, oh, etc. No. And they also have nothing to gain from Brexit because those shellfish are not controlled by European quotas. They're controlled by, uh, like, national legislation. So, um, yeah, the, originally the whole sort of push from the fishing industry was we want to get more quota. We want Europe yeah. to give us more quota. But they, they weren't even doing it. But these guys, it won't affect them. Oh. So, yeah. <sighs> just, it's oh. a bit of a mess. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, let's let's end with a, with a, with a beautiful piece of um, um, uh, poetry. Well, I don't know if it's beautiful, but... So, um, being, um, you've been recently appointed as the Malacological Poet Laureate. I think that was about sort of 50 minutes ago. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we, we may have recently appointed uh, we're, 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 we're having the, the official ceremony straight after okay. the show. Yeah, this is, this yeah. is it. We've got all we're sorts of dignitaries here. Yeah, Linda yeah. Dessau is coming, isn't the she? The governor. Yeah, he's awesome. going to come and tap you on the shoulder with a scallop. Um, Beautiful. So um, the, the, it's a short but sweet piece of poetry about a scallop. It over is. to you, Dr. Stewart. Thank you. It's called Be More Scallop. Keep your eyes open. Filter out the crap. Grow a hard shell, but keep a soft heart. Be more scallop. Oh, that is beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> I love that. that, that Dr. Bryce Stewart, a <laughs> uh, 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 UK correspondent here on Radio Marinara, thank you very much for, a for pleasure. that. Uh, just, um, we're going to have to get you back next year. We, we, will this start a whole... I'll be back. You'll Do you think back. this will Wonderful. start an entire new... Kind of malacological poet theme. I hope so. Um, you know, yeah. Just, yeah, okay. We'll That's have a we'll have, we'll have a compendium together by this time. I next think year. so too. That we it's, it's be beautiful. Thanks for coming in and joining us. Brilliant. Thank but, you. Pleasure. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Bryce Stewart. Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.